You know that thing where you uh, you prematurely take credit for a job well done because perhaps the initial phase is something that a toddler can handle, but to truly do the job with the depth and precision required for something of sustenance, something of something of sustainability something that will speak beyond your transient existence here, something of that kind of power? Well, hmm. I like how we can assume we're in touch with some sense of source, otherness, whatever, that uh, is a reservoir from which we may have emerged into this manifestation of humankind. The force of Star Wars, as it were. The connectedness of all living things. Because these are the kinds of things I never believed in. I just thought they made neat stories, like stories with dragons make neat stories, or stories about me winning lots of uh, video game consoles to play with because I have so much free time I've got nothing better to do than playing video games. I mean, whatever you see as winning, whatever you see as something of value gained in your life, well, I didn't know how much meaning I was going to be getting at this point in life through the recurrent energies of things like my dog who recently passed or the awakening I'm helping coax out of my mother or the flat-out standing-on-his-own emergence of my father buoyant side. I mean... The world, even at work, where I have zero interest in anything other than doing my work in the middle of the night by myself and going home. Like I said, I have the perfect situation for what I need right now. I know how antisocial it all is. It needs to be that way for me. Until I can get a job selling weed, in which case I will be turning on like a social energizer bunny. But... At THD, where there's no room for social context, I'm even experiencing reverberations of, um, I don't know how to put it, it's like, um, support, but it's more, we're here to watch you do something. Go do it. <laughs> Uh, and, and I mean, I do, I feel like I'm being pushed out the door again. Obviously I shouldn't be there. I know that, but Phoebe had to, Phoebe had to be dealt with before I could even pretend to, um, to up and my, my situation that would cause her the kind of stress that would obviously potentially lead to her 
passing prematurely, all that stuff is now gone. Cat has had no complaints all day today that I know of. She's now at least sort of sitting in the middle of the area where Phoebe would be and just realizing that she can now claim that territory. Doesn't know what to do with it, but I think she's starting to emerge as the legitimate Batman in the Batman and Robin situation that now has no Batgirl. But Batgirl kept showing up wherever I was. The one thing that happens when something like a pet who is about as constant a presence in my life as I can imagine. There's no, there's no parallel. No human's going to just dote on you from room to room and follow you wherever you go and give you that look of, whenever you're ready for a walk, I'm in, no matter what. But a dog does that. And I didn't take her for granted because her presence mattered to me. The more it deteriorated, the more it mattered to me that she was having doggy time feeling like a dog that wasn't losing her physical. And so there was a whole bunch of meaningful moments for us. But when she's gone, now the the whole (laughs) BFF presence just leaves such a void. There's There's no there there. But every time I look expectantly like Say I drop a wrench while I'm trying to tighten something on a bicycle, and it's the kind of thing that would wake Phoebe from a slumber. I look over to see if she's discomfortable. Yeah, I even make up words for her. When I have that reflexive moment of looking for her, it's creepy how often I see her. Really. And, I mean, they're fleeting glimpses. But I always see her like healthy. (laughs) I don't see the, I don't see the final four years of Phoebe. I see the first four and it, it, it's happened what 30 times where I'm just looking for her to be as she would be usually realizing she's not there. But in the moment that I go looking for her, actually seeing her as if my brain's just kind of throwing some snapshots at me as a feel-good trip down memory lane kind of farewell to my dog. But it's the uncomfortable part of it is how when you see her situationally, wherever I'm looking for her, it's like she's in exactly the situation she should be in 10 years ago. (laughs) Like It's like she's right there as she was. And maybe that's just, my brain will only let me remember her in her healthy phase. I don't know. But, I don't really care that those go away anytime soon because I really enjoy the little snapshots of my dog that they are offering. I welcome these things now. At any other time in life, I would have been trying to filter out that sort of static, thinking it was interruptive or uh, weak, um, sentimental, um, in some way, shape, or form, um, 
unable to handle the real truth of the universe kind of shit would be floating in my head. And none of that's valid. It's just how you have to, uh, I don't know, categorize or um, compartmentalize events like feeling Phoebe's spirit. That's a weird thing to do. And, I, and Max, when Max left, it was so sudden. And uh, I mean, it wasn't so sudden that it was like, I can't fucking believe that. That's just, that's not possible. He had had a couple instances where his face had ballooned up like an allergic reaction, like he'd eaten a bee, but it never got figured out. And then the day that, oh my God, he needs to get to a vet. His situation was so uh, distraught that the vet said there's really only one recourse for him right now. Put him down. And so you get that, fuck, are you kidding me? Oh, fuck. And so that loss is stinging because, I mean, you literally just bought whatever, 50 pounds of food. You've got uh, plans for classes in August. Either you're going to attend fly ball and all that shit's now just done. It's, it's gone. <laughs> and so with Phoebe, of course, you're kind of almost planning, well, it could be next week, next month, next year. Let's hope it's next decade. But let's be realistic. You kind of have that attitude the whole way in. But you spend so much quality time with her at the end, especially. I mean, I never had a moment where I wasn't aware of where she was, what she needed, and if she was getting it. And basically her whole life, obviously, I've been in that mode. But her comfort and her sense of any disorientation that she might experience had to make had to be uh, managed in real time for the last couple years just because she kept losing her physical ability to do things. I never knew when incontinence was going to hit. It certainly took a while, but was ready for it basically since three years ago. And it's a long way <laughs> to have your dog go. It just, uh, I wouldn't wish it on anyone, honestly. And the fact that she took it so well, I don't even know how she, I don't know how she did it. So I'm sitting there trying to process all the lessons I learned from her. And the biggest one is, is the simplest one. That you don't really get to choose what happens to you. You only get to choose how you react to it. None of the encumbrances that her body developed were by choice. She never had an opportunity to be anything but the dog she became. Her destiny was to inevitably turn into a Macy's Day blimp. And it's, uh, it's just admirable how her upbeat, cheerful, puppy face attitude never wavered. Never wavered. She was that way for every single minute that life threw at her. Well, I know one thing. I can bring my good attitude to this situation again and again and again and again. 
Who needs some good attitude? I got a lot of it. And I think it was in watching her, (laughs) quite literally, have exactly the same great day every day. It made me realize that's just available to anybody who's willing to do it. She couldn't have really had much of a worse second half of life. Everything just kept getting harder. And for for no reason. You know, sooner or later, her walking was bad enough, she would stumble on stairs for the first time and think, well, what the fuck, I've always been able to climb this, no problem. Shit like that just started going wrong. And she never, ever even really looked like, well, this isn't fair. Never once even acted like, well, I can't. You come get me. Nope. (laughs) I got this. I'll do it. Leave me alone. I'll try it. Okay, pick me up. It just... it, It was... It was slow to reveal itself that the single happiest thing I knew on the planet was my Labradoodle. And no human do I know who has that genuine integrity of good consciousness and upbeat attitude without faking it. And there's no reason for that, right? And yeah, there are some pure souls out there who actually have migrated to that level of of Jedi Knight Plateau, but most of us fucking tied up like goddamn... Like headphones in my man purse. I just... And I realized that a large part of not feeling tangled up is not being thrown into a man purse. It's just, you're asking for... You're asking for some sort of shady outcome to manifest when you just allow shady possibilities because you just think you don't deserve any better. It's it's all a reaction to a situation that in so many ways you have no control over. The one thing you can do is react. You have all the autonomy to react as you see fit. But the action's thrown at you. I mean, in in many ways, we're organized to make sure you are forced to act. To take a position of physical integration. To not sit here and experience nothing. The whole brain in the jar thing I was talking about? No fucking way. No fucking way. What a dumb, dumb, dumb person I used to be. But the spiritual side of Phoebe showed up today when I met my sister's new addition to her family, which in our family just means another dog. She got an, she's got a 35-pound pug and a 12-pound pug. <laughs> which, as someone who can appreciate at least cartoonish uh, behavior, I think is fucking great. 
but I would not want that as a 24-hour operation going on in the house. It's too much um, Tom and Jerry. I mean, it's just, there is so much zaniness between that specific combination of dog energy. Well, it's a 10-year sentence of, at least you won't be bored in your house with these two going like this. And it's funny because my sister's last pair of dogs had the same energy. It's as if that energy is here to find her. But the time that I first interacted with her new dog, it was weird because as soon as I made eye contact with her, I was like, hey, Phoebe. Like, it just was a thought, a reaction. And then she came at me like when Phoebe used to be a little uh, puppy. Same fucking jump. And even Em, my sister was like, boy, she really likes you. That's totally not like her. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's a lot like Phoebe, though. <laughs> and, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what dogs are. I don't know if they're siphon soul creatures from our own reservoir of soul energy left behind, or if they're an integration of reflective energy of who we are at this time in space and reality. I, I don't know. I don't know how the whole... Uh, 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 what is that thing in the in Harry Potter the hort the horticulture I don't fuck I can't remember Horcrest whatever the galloping steed that comes across the pond uh uh-uh. uh nope uh, mine's more of a twelve and a half pound uh, pug Chihuahua mix that uh, bounces off me like a pinball but there's no doubt that. For the first four or five minutes she was there, I can't get Phoebe thoughts out of my head. I'm just, everything she's doing is Phoebe. Even the way she, like, put her ass down and then spun around to, like, sit up with her paws crossed. I was like, God damn. I mean, all of Phoebe's mannerisms, well, as much as I can project onto a 12 and a half pound Chihuahua pug mix, what was a eventually a 100-pound Labradoodle blonde uh, designer dog. Well, I can't go to sleep tonight without truthfully admitting that I feel like Phoebe was, for at least three or four minutes, what was sitting inside that pug. It was, it was like she was released from her from her body that would not let her be her real self. Because as soon as I saw her freed up in that pug, bam, hey you, bam, I know, what happened? Bam, oh, I missed this too. You were such a fun dog when you weren't handicapped, potty-capped, whatever. All right, listen, I didn't even get on to talk about any of this shit. This is like... Oh, terrible free lib. Free lib. Free lib. Mad lib, baby. Shit, I can't even speak. But I did get on to speak about some shit, and I gotta go to work. So, here, let's get this out. Okay. I don't know how much near-death experience uh, bunny pit diving you've done, but if you haven't done any of it, you should. As a human being, you owe it to yourself to at least hear 
the commonality, the um, the incidental overlap of variables that exist in people who have, as it were, left their body in a near-death experience only to then return to tell some story of whatever dissociation event they have uh, they have gone through. And some of them, I will not spoil, are fucking fascinating. To the point that the one that is obviously getting made into a movie should be getting made into a movie and is such a great story that even if it's fake, fuck man, that's the kind of shit that if you're going to fake uh, uh, a sense of, of wonder for us, do it this way. Do it with her story. Because fascinating have I been, fascinated have I been, essentially since I ran into the Jeff Mara podcast. But if, and I and I probably listened to 50 or 100 of these, and then at some point stopped. Because you basically have heard the story. And um, a little bit of a spoiler here. The stories don't all at all, in any way, are, no one is identical to another. But there's overlap or groupings that they start to fall into that you're like, okay, well, like, for instance, some people experience terrible uh, hell. Like, literally think they've been to hell. And it's only about 5% of people, but it's a legit group um, that go and don't enjoy anything about it and in fact feel a threatening overtone or even just a foreboding uh, sense. And, and even in some of those stories, there's so much hope that's drawn from it. It's everybody who, who goes through this, their life has changed for sure. And, and most of them speak to it as, as still an, a, an almost compulsion of thought because it's so outside the realm of what we're experiencing that it immediately makes this less vibrant. There's there's no uh, there's no jumping into a reality of super experience back into a reality of limited experience without thinking, "Fuck, man. Why why did why did I have to have this anchor dragging my boat? I can't get back to what I want." And yet, I now know what I have is limited. I mean, there's a there's almost a... Well, there's two ways that people take it. They either think, I, I, don't, I don't know why, why me? This, this, is, this isn't the kind of information that I want to have to process. Or, they come back so energized by what's happened... Their, their purpose in life is completely redirected. Like, it's just, it is an exact flagpole in their fucking, I was this way, now I'm this way. Story of life. Changed by what can feel like years of experiences that may only last seconds or minutes. And so, the whole group of it is full of truth. Which is, a lot more encouraging than the UFO shit, which is full of lies. But the truth that you can see is because you can tell people aren't lying. They may 
not be capable of processing what they went through and tell it to us in a way that's anything other than, ha, there goes Lorraine again. But they, Lorraine did go through something that made her framework shift. And she's not alone because her framework work shift is a very similar one to these 300 other people who are telling the same story of at least enough overlap to go, shit, man, what the fuck is happening to these people? And <clears throat> I'm not, nor have I ever been, nor will I ever be, afraid of death. Because I don't get a choice, right? I don't get to choose not to die. To me, some of the best things about dismissing religious or any of that nonsense influence about, you know, what happens after we die is, you don't know, so don't tell me. If I find out somehow, I'll share, but you should suspect that I might be lying to you. Because I don't think everybody else that's telling these stories knows what the fuck they're talking about. I think they're all liars. So to be afraid of death, it was like being afraid of being growing up. It's going to happen. Um, I don't know. It's, it's never been a fear or a phobia or even a discomfort. And it, again, I've never been to a funeral, really. I've been to one like tangential family, friend, partner, business thing, funeral. But uh, So death, death with my dog is about as far as it's ever gone. So I'm very naive here, and I don't want to speak in a capacity that dismisses the true pain that death brings, but my own death, fear of death, no. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going to burst into a flaming building looking for uh, babies to save. As a matter of fact, absolutely fucking not. Coward. 100%. Like, it's not that I welcome death. I don't want to die, but I don't think of death as a fearful experience. I feel like I've died a lot of times. I'll just say that. And so I think at some point... If you've drowned, you've been uh, strangled, you've fallen off a fucking roof, uh, you've been uh, reloading your gun and shot your own face off. I mean, in all the ways I'm sure I've died, <clears throat> at some point, I think the return trip, you kind of come in with a little more piece of uh, whatever the end game is, because you don't know that part. Well... It's not the end end game. It's just the final feelings of this manifestation of human energy. Which, when you take that burst with you, I mean, that's what you're here for. Is to retain that emotional vibration. At least to encourage its continued presence in your own uh, soul. Uh, what? Tapestry? whatever you want to call your soul, the amalgamation of you and your experience. All that shit said, I mean, dogs obviously have souls. Anybody that thinks otherwise is wrong. I think, though, the soul energy of dogs is akin to their owner or the person with whom they are most going to influence on this planet. I think they are little siphons of soul burst that, um, that are here as straight-up support. The unconditional love from dogs is so unique. I mean, it, uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to find out what dogs are when that ever happens. So, 
the key point about all these stories that these people tell about near death to me has nothing to do with all the wondrous color and light and fucking spongy Robin Williams movies they go to. <clears throat> or how many of them actually see Jesus or the Buddha or all that stuff too? Like that's fascinating to me on another level. But the point that stands out the most for me is how many of them upon looking down and realizing, oh, that's me, the next thought is, ah, oh, fuck it. There goes life. No biggie. In other words, it's it's a moment of immediate dismissal of all of that shit that you think's important. None of it matters. None of it. Hell, people who have newborn kids and experience these things can oftentimes completely dismiss a brand new child they just brought into the world. Because once you escape this shell of existence and see what it is that you participate in and how your life map pattern circuited through, oh, of course that's how it all worked. Including whatever tragedy and and life lesson you've experienced, you may have fucked it all up, it may all be left turns on a board that was designed to go right, but it makes sense. All of the context is now available that we're missing. So when these experiencers come back and they actually can remember the context, well, you can see the distance that's in their eyes that is new because they're seeing something in their mind library that the rest of us are just incapable of appreciating. And so the lesson to me is, okay, so this shit matters the least. As soon as you're out of your body, you couldn't care less about what's going on right here. But what we do here to connect with other entities to the point their energy starts to influence us, BB, it doesn't have to be a human. I don't even think it has to be alive. I think it can be rocks. I think it can be earth. I think it can be plants. I think it can be anything in our reality, water. Of all that's happening here, we are the witnesses. We're the agents of interpretation. We're the ones with whom the connections at the highest level are capable of being made. Connecting with my dog's soul energy through my sister's new acquisition is fun and really is heartwarming. But it's nothing like making a connection with a human being here in some supportive, reciprocal way. Even if it's just a fleeting moment of 10 minutes of, hey man, I got your back. I'm more than happy to help you change a tire. You got it. Stay on that side. Make sure your baby and your wife are in the car. Whatever. I don't give a fuck. It is every opportunity 
to live on this planet is one to take whatever's coming at you with the sort of grace and upbeat attitude that my Labradoodle did. So, <clears throat> I know I'm learning way more lessons than that one from her. But right now, given how much I know this stuff is transient, but what you brought to this stuff is permanent, well, Phoebe left one permanent puppy face smile across an entire existence of mine that needed it. And I have a feeling she taught me to do it because I'm not the only one who needs it. There's a whole lot of you out there that need the same puppy face saying, don't worry, it'll all work out.